This episode is from a series of classes where Shakti Durga is reading from her book, Spiritual Mastery. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. We're now up to hallmark number five. Teaching by example, embodying joy and contentment. The spiritually self-mastered person is usually great to be around because they're generally cheerful and happy people. The masters I've met tend to be quite lived-in people who are quite hard to offend. Nevertheless, it's wise to practice respect and reverence around a spiritual master because the energy and grace they carry can be absorbed by us and spread to others if we have the right attitude. Even in the middle of difficult challenges or problems that they might be working on, the master can find something to be happy about. This state of consciousness is brought about by the genuine gratitude that the master has for life, for their relationship with the universe, and for all that is. Rather than focusing on what is wrong, the master is able to focus on what's right. As well as finding happiness in a tremendously wide range of circumstances, the master is content. When things need to change, the master is not attached to how they have been, and is able to flow with those changes and still practice virtue and awareness of inner bliss. And they can even hold this when things are very challenging. The master teaches by example, and they know that the student will copy them and that much of that's not conscious. Um, But the calibre of the teacher leaves a deep impression on the student. Spiritual masters are not controlling They let the student experience life while guiding them through the process. So in this way, the master can be like a life coach, imparting not only wisdom, but uh, the wisdom for dealing with the realities of life. It's much more than just knowledge. Unlike a life coach, uh, they can also guide the soul, not only in this life, but after that as well. And they can help the student like a, a guide between lives to help them plan their next incarnation. Masters never deliberately set their students up to fail. They follow universal patterns and laws as best they can and the students learn from this and from the ripples of energy that flow out from the master's thoughts, words and actions. The master exercises self-control, skill and love, even if very tricky things are happening. The virtue of their character is the strength of their soul. So the whole idea of beingness is a big one here. People can catch the teachings from a spiritual master because it's in their whole energy field. And the master regards each of their students as a potential spiritual master of the future. And the relationship is always one of mutual respect and love. Holding a respectful and uplifting vision of the student helps and allows the student to develop towards that vision until they can hold their own vision for their life. 
The ancient art of teaching has been practiced by so many people. Everyone's a teacher. If you're a parent or a manager or a leader, you're teaching. And people learn not so much by what you say, but by what you do. Children rarely follow their parents' advice. Instead, they tend to mimic their behavior. And they also act out the repressed and suppressed parts of the parental psyche. Often when the shadow of the parent is disowned, the child becomes very challenging and wears the garment of that shadow. Many people get up in front of groups of people to lead seminars about personal development and love, but if they haven't mastered it substantially themselves through living it, then it's not really all that advantageous. But if someone has authentically mastered what they're teaching, then it's not only information that's taught, but the energy is transmitted as well, and so we can learn very fast. So many people get quite excited when they find a spiritual path and they want to share it with everyone and they regale their family and friends with stories uh, that may not have any context or contextual meaning to people who have never trodden that path. The beginner, having received a smidgen of knowledge, feels enlightened, enthused and ready to enlighten others. Many people move from beginner straight to zealot. They ram teachings down the throats of the poor, unfortunate people with whom they have relationships. But this is not what a master would do. They have got more sense than to do that. Instead, they just model the teaching. In this manner, the teaching is caught, not taught. And because the master is so radiant, people want to know what they're doing and they're interested in hearing what they have to say. So let's wait until we're asked before we share teachings with others. And through our happiness and by being love on legs, we attract those who are ready to receive these kinds of teachings and who would like to live in peace. We know that every person is at one level, the Atma, the highest self, and our job is to try and bring that out in people. Masters can bring out the best in people, you know. I remember going to my local corner shop once with my then spiritual teacher whose name was Kuala. Kuala was a very gifted and enlightened teacher and very loving. She really glowed with an inner light and exuded love. We went into this shop owned by quite a rude and objectionable old man and in the two years where I'd been visiting the store, he'd never smiled or been helpful. But the moment Kuala entered the store, he couldn't do enough to help us. He was smiling and courteous. I could not believe it. And then it dawned on me that it was Koala's energy that was bringing the tiny little bit of niceness that this man had out of him. He was in fact charming. She was charming and kind and her energy was very uplifting and she was pretty irresistible and he couldn't help but respond. So obstacles are created sometimes by us when we lack the ability to bring forth the best in others. But over time, and with the guidance of the right teacher, we can avoid those kinds of problems. And through love and deep insight, we can become genuine embodiments of love and wisdom. So one of the things I found that masters avoid doing is pointing fingers at other people and blame them for creating dramas. 
The master just does what they can to de-escalate problems. When I was a lawyer, I remember a really cunning cross-examiner once telling me in a moment of not-so-sober reflection that in order to manipulate women, he used to find the strongest attribute of that woman and then criticize her for not having it. This is very dark, isn't it? He would accuse a generous woman of being selfish, a slim woman of being fat, and so on. And then the woman would rant and rave and bend over backwards to prove that he was wrong. And in this way, he got a weird kind of control over her. Unwittingly, they were feeding him a lot of energy and they gave their power to him. They were themselves continually off-center and they added to the drama of this energetic exchange by buying into his craziness and getting upset about absurd things. When we are addicted to the approval of other people, we're easy to manipulate. And if other people withhold their approval, then they've got us over a barrel. And this is a way that we can make problems in our life very large. But the master won't have any of that. So through their acceptance and perceptiveness and skillfulness, they understand and they bring the best out of people. They don't ever try and manipulate other people. When those who are very drama-ridden people are clamoring for the attention of the master, quite often it seems like the master's deaf, can't hear them at all. Some people are drama queens. They turn everything into a big deal. The master just does not get caught up in it. They use their time wisely in a way that benefits the most people. Some people are like escalators, you know, escalators. They love scandal. They're addicted to gossip. Have you ever come across people who love spreading bad news? Not only do they spread bad news, they manage to escalate it in the telling. What was a 3 out of 10 problem becomes a 7 out of 10 problem by the time they've finished talking about it. If we add our energy to an emotional train wreck, we just make things worse. It might be tempting, but to refrain is part of our masteries. So not speaking ill of others and not dramatizing or escalating negative situations is part of this hallmark of mastery. There's an ancient spiritual maxim used in the mystery school traditions of the West that says, to know to will, to dare, and to be silent. So when it comes to matters to do with spirituality, it's certainly good to learn, to know. But then we have to have the will uh, to put it into practice. We have to dare to try new things and not to really talk too much about the process, but to allow ourselves to transform. There's many levels of truth and meaning to this old adage, but generally it has to do with how masterful people use knowledge. A lot of information is realized internally by masters, and this becomes wisdom, but it might not be for others. There'll be some teachings that are for the public, and some are just for the master or for just a few people, a handful of close disciples or students who've done a lot of work with that teacher already. Because knowledge is consciousness and consciousness opens doors to deeper love and empowerment, but not everybody's ready for that. And if we're thrust into advanced knowledge before we're really able to hold enough love and responsibility, 
then it can backfire on us. So for the higher levels of development, there's a need for purification and for practicing mental and emotional mastery, which we'll be talking about soon, so that it becomes safe to hold this higher consciousness. What a mess it would be if every person was given the ability to consciously create if whatever was in your mind suddenly became reality. Imagine how bad that would be (laughs) because most people aren't capable of thinking great stuff consistently and because of a general lack of mental discipline and compassion, some forms of training and information are not for the public. To plumb the depths of the mysteries, we have to face our fears and develop courage. Fear guards the doorway to love. It always has and it always will. All of the old myths where there's a treasure guarded in some cave by a fire-breathing, people-eating dragon allude to this, that love is always guarded by fear. Yet love is the vibration that we need to hold access to the empowerment and wisdom of the universe. And overcoming our fears and attaining new levels of enlightenment, it's a constant process of growth. It can be done quickly or slowly over many lifetimes. But any new activity or attempting something that's out of the ordinary requires us to step out of our comfort zone and develop some courage. Spiritual masters are here on earth to lead and teach. Their consciousness tends to be more developed than most people. So they're generally in the minority in the way they look at the world, can take some faith and courage to take on these very unusual and different ideas. The most important part of the old maxim to know, to will, to dare and to be silent is the part about being silent because you have to know when to keep your mouth shut. Unlike the beginner who sprouts spiritual dogma and theory to anyone who will listen, the master just silently is the teaching. Someone who espouses a lot of knowledge but doesn't live it is not a spiritually self-mastered person. Perhaps they're a philosopher or an academic. Nothing wrong with that, but it's very different to mastery. And when we're around masters a lot, sometimes we can find it quite difficult to think Highly intelligent and articulate, people can be left speechless because of the incredibly high inner vibration of the master, which tunes us towards our light within and our soul and makes the mind go still. But if we have that experience, we're very lucky, and afterwards the mind will be much sharper and clearer than it was previously. So the master can activate the soul within us Uh, which is very different to the mind. When the soul or deepest part of our consciousness awakes, the mind goes still. But it's very healthy and we're here to uh, remember and re-experience that really quiet, present state. I found that when we work with spiritual masters over a period of time, our ability to learn becomes quite enhanced The energy field tends to get brighter and larger and the crown chakra and other energy centers are activated. And the brain is just fed a lot more energy than it normally is. So the master doesn't pander to the ego of the student but teaches in the way that is best for the development of the soul. What the the master has to teach us transcends death 
and must be imparted at a level much deeper than the mind, which will die when the ego does. The master infuses the student with energy which enters the etheric body and becomes part of the inheritance of that being for all lives to come. So if you find that you're around a spiritual master and you just can't think, don't worry. Your brain will come back and work better than ever. With wisdom, uh, we don't waste our opportunities for this higher learning. We learn to move, flow and grow and we embody the same kind of happiness and contentment as the master. So let's think of what the highest aspirations would be on this hallmark of mastery. Well, the first one is finding happiness in an ever-expanding set of circumstances. Next, that we can treat other people with kindness and respect even when they are not able to treat us that way that we can teach happiness, contentment and gentleness by example and trying to be a kind of spacious person who's comfortable to be around, a bit lived in, so people feel comfortable around us. Some of the pitfalls is hypocrisy, I suppose that's the big one, being mean-spirited, turning into a bit of a doormat around people wanting their approval And uh, these are the main pitfalls here. And the practices, the sorts of practice, very simple things. Smile, such a great practice. Walk your talk, be love on legs. Practicing gratitude and becoming very skilled in communication in a way that doesn't put people down. Keeping the company of enlightened people is a good practice and having a good spiritual community to practice on and have fun with, and knowing that more is caught than taught. So may all of us embody knowledge and turn it into wisdom and have the insight, skill and patience to be a positive influence in the world, to lead and teach by example and create peace, harmony and goodwill for everyone. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Daddy.